The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. All right, guys, we are back. I'm the Air Attack. I am, of course, your pal BC. You can follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Twitter is going through some changes now. Yeah, Elon Musk did a little dump on, uh, was it Friday? I think he did it Friday, where he kind of basically did a big reveal as to some of the communications between people at Twitter and people in politics, and oh boy. And according to him, it's not going to stop. So you can follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Maybe follow some of the drama there as well. At the same time, check out the show at Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Um... Aaron Judge, still a Yankee. He will now most likely retire a Yankee. 10-year deal worth, what is it, a zillion dollars? I think that's the official the official count, a zillion dollars. I never thought he was going. I never thought he was really leaving. I thought he was a little upset over how things played out in the spring. I think he's been a little upset over how the Yankees have handled a lot of things in terms of, I don't know, I don't want to say being cheap, but basically just not taking care of business and not building a team that, I guess has staying power in the playoffs. It's tough to win the playoffs now because a lot of teams are in there. So you really have to have a top to bottom good team and, you know, get a little lucky. It's baseball. I get it. But I don't think he was really thrilled with that team. I don't think he's thrilled with George Steinbrenner's kids, but I do think he wanted to be a Yankee. And I think he played this perfectly. Turned down their offer in the spring. He made it clear he did not like the fact that the Yankees leaked the figure because he kind of thought that was going to turn the fans against them. So he kind of engaged in a little bit of of showmanship and, and gamesmanship himself releases a video of himself arriving in San Francisco. Apparently, that was all staged. I don't even know if that was San Francisco. He might have just walked into his own building and told someone it was San Fran. Had some some guy pretending to be a reporter from like TMZ or something like, hey, man, what are you doing in town? What's going on? And he's just like, yeah, I don't know. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Just sort of put, just sort of put the idea, you know, like a manipulative boyfriend or girlfriend. Just put the idea in there that someone else out there may want you. Just, just kind of like plant the seed. Did it beautifully. Bet on himself. Cashed in for $130 million more million than he would have gotten uh, based on the Yankees' offer earlier. I thought he played this perfectly. I really, really did. Obviously, other teams were interested. The, the Giants were interested. The Padres were int- interested. A lot of teams. Any team would want that guy. Just who's willing to pony up the money uh, that he's looking for. So, well played, sir. All I can say is well played. He blocked a bunch of Yankees Twitter. These chicks who were Yankees obsessed who just love taking pictures of themselves in the Bronx. Like, that's the coolest thing to do. And in a shocking twist, there's never a man with them. But that's okay. He went and blocked a bunch of people because he was just tired of being harassed on social media. Shows up at the Bucks game on Monday night, a game I was actually at. Shows up on the field talking to Tom Brady pregame. And I'm saying to myself, why would he be in Tampa of all places if he's not signing with the Yankees? That didn't make a lot of sense to me. So it seemed like a little bit of drama where it was drawn out. by basically, here's what it came down to. It was two sides that wanted each other. It was too, like, it's just like, when, like with dating. Two people really like each other, but no one wants to admit it. They both wanted him. They both wanted each other. The Yankees wanted him. He wanted them. But he, no one wanted to admit it because they wanted to get the most out of it. And they thought maybe they were going to, you know, maybe they were going to negotiate their way or sort of. Uh, how can I put this? They were, they were just going to sort of outsmart the other one. In the end, it was kind of like, you know what? Let's get this done. I don't want to lose you. You don't want to lose me. Bang. Aaron Judge, now a Yankee for the foreseeable future. From the manufactured drama of the Major League offseason to some real drama on the set of Good Morning America, Amy Robach, is it Robach or Robach? I'm not sure. And TJ Holmes are an item. Why is that strange? Well, because they're co-hosts. Also, they're both married to other people. Ended their marriages back in August. Okay, fine. 
that's that that's that's not that uncommon. It's, I mean, it's sad, right? It doesn't work out. Okay, it doesn't work out at the same exact time though. And if you go back, Jeff Zucker kind of pulled the same shit. He was dating someone from CNN. Those two psychopaths moved into the same building while they were still married so they could be close to each other. They were actually in consecutive floors. One of them lived upstairs from the other while they were married, while they were with their spouses. These two were having some affair. I guess that went back to when they started marathon training. That's the story they leaked out. It's probably horseshit. It's probably been going on for a lot longer than that. Amy Robach, there's two things about her. Got on TV a couple of years ago and, and talked about how she had breast cancer and how her family got her through it into this whole thing where she climbs a mountain and you know brings a camera crew with her the whole nine yards, trying to make herself sound like kind of a victim, like someone who's overcome, making yourself the center of attention. Okay, if your husband's so great for taking care of you, this is the way you pay him back? My God, she's also the one, remember she was the one that said she had all the dirt on Jeffrey Epstein and, and she was shut up. They basically told her not to cover it. They told her to move on to something else. She had dirt on the Royals and Prince Andrew, and she had dirt on Epstein. But because of the Clintons and because of the royal family, ABC was scared. They basically told her to just sort of squash the story. Like, here I am. I'm such a good person. I'm going to expose this monster. No, you just wanted attention. You're just mad you didn't get the story, obviously. But if a guy, I tell you right now, a guy takes care of someone who's chronically ill for months and months or years or whatever it is, and then this is how she pays him back out there getting with her co-host and, and the guy by the way tj holmes also married and the reason his wife never suspected anything between him and his co-host is because his co-host's daughter was their babysitter and the couples used to spend time together they used to hang out together meanwhile tj already had an affair with another girl from work another abc news producer who worked out in california so anytime he traveled he'd make sure they could meet up together and you know kind of do their thing so, Mr. Holmes is getting around, and apparently that's not a problem for his now girlfriend. I guess they're together. Marriages are over. They're hanging out together. They're going on weekends away. Some guy's following around with a camera. They don't give it. He's grabbing her ass the whole nine yards. He just doesn't care, and she doesn't care either. I guess she's special. I guess this will be the last time he ever cheats on anyone. My God. Good luck, lovebirds. Meanwhile, they won't put them on the air together. They're not doing anything wrong. They're obviously not really breaking the law. They're being you know, complete assholes, but they're not breaking the law. They're not even breaking any rules at work. It's not like there's a boss and subordinate situation there. They're co-hosts. They're co-workers. But they're off the air. I, ca I cannot see them putting them back, you know, back together on the air. There's just too much around it. There's just too much buzz. There's, it's just too, it would just, even just within the studio, it would just be too weird, it would seem. And I don't know that either one's really going to, you know, put their foot down and say, no, I have to work with that person. Also, what happens now if they break up? That went on at CNN, like John King, the guy that does the election night stuff, the guy that's really good on CNN. I never watch CNN ever, 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 except when it's election night. I put it on the bottom TV because I think that guy does a great job. He used to be married to one of the women there. So now when they're on the air together, it's really, which is rare, it's really, really weird. So I'm not sure which lovebird is going to get to stay on the show and which one's going to have to leave or if they're just never going to be on together or what the deal is, but I hope it's worth it, guys. My God. Oh, by the way, Amy, Amy Robach's husband, Andrew Shu from Melrose Place. I think it was Billy, right? On Melrose Place. Yep. That's right. You can be a big time Hollywood star. You can take care of a girl who's really sick and she can still treat you like dog shit just because just because she can. OK, college football playoff now is set. Uh, TCU will get to play Michigan. They stay in with the one loss. Uh, USC makes this easy. USC loses to, to Utah. Now, I was on USC last week and I was on them early. I got them at minus three. I thought the line would actually go up. Caleb Williams gets hurt at the end of the, of the second quarter, and it totally changes the game, totally turns it upside down. I know Utah ran away at the end. Honestly, Caleb Williams was playing on one leg, 
and he was driving USC, and he, they would have scored there. If he doesn't throw that pick, they'd probably score a touchdown there, and they're within three, and he's hobbled. And if he can't run, it's totally, totally different. I think I, I, I kind of referred to him last week as a taller and more accurate and stronger version of Kyler Murray. He's very, very elusive. He, he's very, very fast. He gets hurt, changes the whole game, and the USC defense did look terrible at the end. But to be fair, they would not have been on the field as much had their quarterback not gotten hurt. Bottom line. So USC makes it easy. Ohio State slides in only to number four, not number three. They're not number three. They have one loss all year, and it's to the number two team. TCU just lost to a to a far inferior team than Michigan. I know it was a closer game, and it went to overtime. You're telling me Ohio State doesn't jump over TCU after that performance? No, I think the committee just wanted to avoid a rematch. They didn't want Ohio State-Michigan being played in the semifinal. I think that's, that's all there is to it. I think they figured, hey, listen, if these two teams are good enough, let them meet again in the championship game. I, that, that's just what I believe. doesn't really matter that much, but, you know, it kind of does. I mean, if, you know, matchups are, are better one way or another. Um, but you, you will now have Ohio State and Georgia, which probably is a tougher game for Georgia. So maybe they wanted to see a little bit of that. Maybe they didn't want to see TCU get demolished by Georgia. They think, you know, TCU's got a better chance against Michigan. Who knows? Who knows exactly what the mindset is? It, all I know is this. That does not add up that Ohio State is four and TCU is three, and they're playing once again this year on New Year's Eve. I think this might be the last year. I'm not positive. They're not, not going to be doing semifinals around New Year's anymore, I don't think. I think the schedule is going to be much, much different when they expand in a couple of years. I'm not sure next year, but I'm pretty sure next year they're not going to do it on New Year's Eve, but they should be on New Year's Day. They, having, to, having to schedule your New Year's Eve around college football is kind of fun, but also kind of annoying because you're going to be up till at least 12, right? You're going to stay out till midnight. That's what New Year's Eve is. Well, the first game's at 4 o'clock. So I, I've said this before. You're either leaving at halftime or between games, and then you, you run the risk of missing game time. And I don't want to miss game. And I'm not going to – not this year. I, I, I have no choice. I'm going to have to be out for the TCU game this year. I'm just going to. So, yeah, so that's going to be a, a long and very involved evening. Put the games at New Year's – when it was New Year's Day, that first year of the playoff, it was absolutely perfect. Let people make fools of themselves the night before. Get up, have their brunch, sleep off, some hangover. Maybe take a snooze, a little snoozy. And then around 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, you make your way out and you enjoy some high-end college football action. My understanding is that the Rose Bowl, uh, just like this last week, they were the ones holding it up. The, the Rose Bowl does not want to get off their traditional New Year's Day spot. So is what it is. We'll see how that plays out in the future. Uh, on to the NFL now. Let's whip around a little bit of, uh, of last week's action. I'm not going to do all of it because I want to do a couple previews for this week coming up. Bills and Patriots, gate to wire with the Bills. Josh Allen's getting healthier. Patriots, well, both teams had problems on the offensive line. The difference is the Bills have Josh Allen. That's really what it comes down to. 24-10, to 10, the Bills win. Giants and Commanders, Giants should have won this game. You had a taunting penalty with John Feliciano. Um, look, the taunting penalties, it, it, it's kind of a two-way street. The players have to know better, but these officials, just keep the flag in your pocket. No one is going to get on you for not calling a taunting penalty. I don't want to hear point of emphasis. I'm tired of these guys. It's far too arbitrary of a call. I, I don't need officials making more judgment calls, okay? You know what? Call the holding. Call the illegal block in the back. Call the pass interference, okay? Now, roughing the passer is different because someone can get hurt. I don't need you sitting there basically judging. I don't need you playing Simon Cowell, okay, or Howie Mandel with like America's Got Talent where you're judging a celebration and, and basically saying, well, what's the degree here of offensiveness? Enough. And not just keep the flag in your pocket at the end of the game. Does John Feliciano have to know better? Okay, fine. But come on. It's ridiculous. It's a joke. It really, really is. 
The Packers 28-19 to over the Bears. We get the win here, as we talked about last week. I was on the over early uh, in this game. I think I had it at 44, closed at 45, or maybe 45 and a half. Now, it took a late score from Christian Watson, but I kind of feel like the Bears averaging 8.2 yards a play should have gotten me over the line anyway. Matt Eberflus is, I understand he's a new coach. He's got to get a little bit, I don't know, more buttoned up. He just had, the entire production has to get tighter. These long, ridiculous drives, eight minutes, nine minutes here and there, they're not impressive. What are you trying to do? You are playing a team that you never, ever beat. Go ahead and just unleash hell with your quarterback and let him wear down the defense. Where was this drive? Yeah, 12 plays, 62 yards, eight minutes, one second. Got the ball, 951 left in the third quarter. Okay, they go and kick a field goal with a, with a minute and 50 left. First and goal at the 9 ends up being first and goal at the 19, second and goal at the 24, third and goal at the 24. Okay, maybe instead of instead of concentrating on boring the entire stadium to death, you actually focus on letting your very talented quarterback do his thing. It's ridiculous, and he's not the only one. He really isn't. 28-19, the game is much closer than that. Uh, Aaron Rodgers just can't be beat by the Bears. I'm convinced. Lions blow out the Jags. Keep an eye on Trevor Lawrence. See how he practices this week. He actually left this game briefly, came back and played. Uh, see what his practice schedule is like this week uh, before they face the Titans in what should probably be a, probably a high-scoring game. Uh, Jets and Vikings, 27-22. Minnesota gets the win. The Jets in this game happen to outscore or out, outgain, excuse me, Minnesota 486-287. 487 the Jets outgained the Minnesota Vikings, 199 yards. And total yards gained the advantage for the Jets. They still get the loss. Why? They were awful in the red zone. Mike White, is he an improvement over Zach Wilson? Yeah, probably. His accuracy was awful in this game, but in the red zone, it was it was terrible. That being said, they had a chance to win at the end. Braxton Berrios dropped what would have been a game-winning touchdown pass, most likely. And the Vikings win by five. Those of you who had the Jets in this game, I feel your pain. Well, not really, because I had the Jets as a teaser leg. We had the Jets plus nine, as we talked about on the show last week again. So that got us home. Well, the first half of getting us home was the Jets plus nine in that game. But again, they should have won. And now they go take on Buffalo this week. That's going to be a tough one for him. If Mike White is going to struggle in Minnesota, I don't know how he's going to handle the crowd in Buffalo. That's going to be an interesting test for the Jets, who are now seven to five. Uh, Eagles just destroyed the Titans here. I said last week, now I was not on this game. I said it was Eagles or pass because of how they matched up with Tennessee and because of some of the looks that Tennessee had and how the how Jalen Hurts and the Eagles actually liked uh, those matchups. That's just what I said. A.J. Brown against his own team. I, I can't believe how many so-called sharp, sharp players out there were pushing the Titans down your throat. If that game hadn't gone from four and a half to six, I probably would have been on the on the Eagles myself. I know it went back down after after some people kind of made it clear that the sharp side was the Titans there, but I just did not see it, especially banged up in the secondary. It didn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, the Rams, the Ravens, excuse me, and the Broncos, 10-9. Ravens come back. Lamar Jackson left the game. He was hurt in the week leading up. Then he hurt himself again in the game, 10-9. Again, the Broncos probably should have won. I was very, very close to hammering the Ravens team total under in that game. Had it gotten to 24, I would have been there. It, it just kind of topped out at 23 and a half, which obviously was more, well, way, way more than I needed. Uh, I did I did say last week, and I'll say it again, that Broncos teaser leg as a two, two and a half, three-point favorite, that just seemed like it was almost a sucker bet. It just seemed like they were struggling on offense. Uh, the Broncos can play some defense. You can't really move the ball. They just can't. The guys, the guys they need are hurt. Uh, it's just all there is to it. Tim Patrick, Cortland Sutton, all those guys are hurt. KJ Hamler, IR. It, it's just a mess over there. It really is. Deshaun Watson and the Browns, 27-14 over the Texans. Deshaun Watson in this game was not good. Now, if you bet the Browns, you laid the points, you laid the seven or eight, you're sitting there hooting and hollering. The Browns had three touchdowns. 
they were on special teams, defense, and defense. That was it. Their first score was a punt return. They had an interception return and a fumble return. Those were their three touchdowns. Deshaun Watson drove them down to the red zone once, threw a ball right, I mean, right between the numbers into a Houston defender. He did not look good in this game. Guys, he hasn't played in a while. And I said that was probably another sucker type of teaser leg last week, and it certainly was. I mean, if you bet them, good for you. You won. Hey, listen, you, you were very, very fortunate. Let's leave it at that. The Texans are not good. Deshaun Watson just could I mean he just couldn't perform. That's one of the worst defenses in the league. Now he's got to go face Cincinnati this week. It's not going to be that much easier. Uh, Seahawks come from behind 27-23 over the Rams. The Rams are shot. The Rams are just a mess on defense. Now they got to play on Thursday. They've got like no guys. They're missing they're going to be missing Aaron Donald I think for the first time in his career. He always plays. I mean that's just sort of a microcosm of the season. Everyone's done. Matt Stafford's going to be done for the year. Matt Stafford might be in jeopardy of being done for his career. Um, but the Seahawks have done a lot of traveling. Their defense isn't that great. Got themselves behind a John Wolford. Managed to come back late. Gina Smith, I give him credit. Um, but, man, man, the Rams are just destroyed. Now they got to play on Thursday. I mean, playing on Thursday is tough enough. But when you're beat up like that, wow. Niners 33-17 over the Dolphins. Matchup between Kyle Shanahan and Mike McDaniel. Uh, not to his best game. Also missing his starting right and left tackle. That did not help, especially against that defense. They will see better days this week. I'm actually on them minus three. I got them early uh, against the Chargers. And with the Chargers still beat up, and Mike Williams probably not playing. They are all banged up on their on their offensive line. What's the difference here? Well, you know what? Uh, San Francisco's defense, I think, is a little overrated. The Chargers' defense is not good, and they're all banged up, too. There's no pressure generated uh, towards the opposing quarterback. Joey Bosa has not really been around this year. He just hasn't been able to play, hasn't been able to get on the field. Uh, J.C. Jackson, a guy who, who they signed in the offseason, big-time cornerback, he's been, he's been gone since week one or two himself. So you take all that, and by the way, they're banged up on their offensive line. they got three guys that might not play again, okay, including their center, who is coming back from a concussion, though, so I'd expect him to play. But both, both guys, they got guys on the right and left side as well who might not play this week. So keep an eye on that. But right now, the Dolphins are three-point favorites. I expect that to move, especially if Mike Williams can't play again. And if he does play, how good is he really going to be? The Bengals 27-24 over the Chiefs. Why do we like this? We were on the Bengals. I said the wrong team was favored last week. Make them a teaser leg. Get the seven and a half. Uh, it basically accrues the victory. The Bengals always play the Chiefs tough, and they beat them three times in a row, and they're always underdogs. I, I'm sorry, but this team plays the Chiefs really, really well. Patrick Mahomes did kind of hobble off the field in the fourth quarter. Keep an eye on that. I think he'll be fine. It's probably just you know got stepped on or just kind of tweaked his ankle. I don't think it's anything that serious. Just keep a look, keep, keep an eye on how much he practices this week. Raiders 27-20 over the Chargers. I think the Raiders. I give them credit. They're five and seven. They're not completely dead. They're blocking better. They're running the ball better. Derek Carr, Devontae Adams obviously have something there, even though you've got injuries to Darren Waller, injuries to Hunter Renfro, and those guys. The Raiders are actually still playing hard, and I just kind of feel like you got two teams in two different directions this Thursday. I would actually look very closely at the Raiders as a teaser like against the Rams. Cowboys destroyed the Colts, right? 54-19? Not really. Would you believe that in the third quarter? Like, if you just went to bed at halftime and said, look, I got work tomorrow, I got something I got to do. The Colts were a two-point conversion away from tying this game. 33 points. There was some stuff on defense there that happened. 33 points, though, in the fourth quarter for the Cowboys. The Colts just can't get there. The Colts are just a team where it's like, man, they aren't that bad. You know, just, I mean, they can't, they can't catch a break. They can't. A lot of it's their own fault, but they cannot catch a break. 54-19, the Cowboys over the Colts. Colts aren't that bad, I promise. And now the Bucs, 17-16 on Monday night. Now, look, I know the narrative is Tom Brady. Everyone's just making a mess in their pants and, and gushing about. They're just barfing out praise for Tom Brady. Um, the Saints should have won this game and won this game easily. You're up 16-3 to with 544 left to go. And there were a couple drops along the way by these guys, too. There, there were. There were, t there were opportunities for the Saints that they missed along the way. But I'm telling you, I was at the game. I was at the game. 
That Tampa Bay crowd and team were lifeless. About a third of the stadium emptied out. I mean, nobody thought they had a chance. I think ESPN had the win probability for the Saints at 97.7%. You've got a second down to manageable. Mark Ingram catches a pass and then inexplicably just veers out of bounds short of the sticks. He's right there. Now, so was Devin White, but you're playing a football game, right? This was like Monday night gym class. These guys just didn't want to touch it. Devin White didn't want to hit him. Mark Ingram, Ingram didn't want to get hit. Dennis Allen said later that he hurt himself on the play. I don't believe that at all. Uh, if he's banged up, he's banged up. That's fine. So are a lot of people. I watched Emmett Smith one, one night play an entire game almost with a, with a dislocated right shoulder, okay, and just destroy the New York Giants. I know guys play hurt. Please, don't tell me he got hurt in that game. He never went down in that play. Don't say that. He, he just kind of goes off the sideline, and, and he's joking around with guys in the Bucks. He comes back out. He wasn't hurt on that play. Stop making excuses. He apologized for it later. But on the next play, it's now third and short. What does Dennis Allen do? Throws the football. He throws it. Incomplete pass. Now he decides he's going to punt. You don't do that. What, what is wrong with you? It's third and one. You're up by 13. Bang that ball between the tackles twice. Make them stop. You put the game away. My God, but Mark Ingram, Mark, I mean, going out of bounds was bad enough because that cost them 10, 12 seconds, even with the clock kind of running again after, after you know, the out-of-bounds ball is, is respotted. But you don't get the first down there. That's ridiculous, and this coach just makes it worse. Dennis Allen has got to go. I, I know they like him there because he's got some history, but he is a bad, he's not an NFL head coach. He is absolutely terrible. Looking ahead quickly now, we already gave our thoughts on the Raiders and Rams. Eagles and Giants. I will not be involved in this game, but the Eagles should not be seven-point favorites in a place where the Giants basically held them in check last year. I know A.J. Brown is there this year, and, and things are a little bit different, but the Giants' offense is a little bit different as well, and I've said this before. The Eagles' defense is a little bit overrated, especially on the back end. Jets go into Buffalo, see if they can bounce back from some of the sloppiness of last week. Lost in the shuffle of all this is the Jets now have some playmakers. You saw the game against the Bears. The Bears' defense is atrocious, but you got a chance to see what some of these guys, Elijah Mitchell and, Gar and Garrett Wilson, and some of these guys that the Jets have brought in the last couple years can really do with the football if they got a quarterback putting it in their hands. We'll see if their quarterback can settle down this week in one of the tougher places uh, where you can play in the NFL. Browns travel into Cincinnati, as we alluded to before. We'll see if Deshaun Watson can bounce back in game two. I don't see it. I don't see how a week later he's going to be that much better against a much better defense in a much more hostile environment. I know Houston was probably pretty hostile, but Cincinnati's always hostile. Take the other stuff out of it. Take the off-the-field stuff out of it just for a second. Cincinnati and Cleveland are obviously going to be a heated rivalry, no matter what the records are, what's going on. The Browns aren't totally, totally out of the playoffs either. They're 5-7. and seven. They'll come to play. The question is, can Deshaun Watson perform under those circumstances and what's going to be a rowdy, rowdy stadium that week, um, or that on Sunday, excuse me. Cowboys-Texans, I think we know how that's going to go. Vikings are now actually two-and-a-half-point underdogs to the Lions. So going back to what we said about the Jets game, the Vikings offense has been on and off this year. They have 10 wins, but I'm telling you, the point differential, I think they're just about even. I think, Or maybe they're, they're plus 10. I think they're plus 10 in point differential because I think they were plus 5 going into that 5-point win against the Jets. So I believe their point... Their point differential this year is plus 10. They're getting two and a half points from the Lions here. That's an interesting one right there. I'll tell you, maybe, see, I would say maybe jump on a Vikings team total over, but I'm telling you, the offensive line there is shaky at best. That is an average at best offensive line. Jags at the Titans, uh, both teams coming off pretty dreadful performances. Total here is 41. Both defenses obviously have their issues. The question is how healthy is either quarterback? Ryan Tannehill is playing. His leg is obviously still not 100%. As I said before, Trevor Lawrence had to leave that last game. To me, that's over or pass. Ravens-Steelers, total set at 37. It's too high. It is too high. It's, it's not nothing against Tyler Huntley. I think Tyler Huntley can actually play. Uh, but going back to Kenny Pickett and, and just, he's just not ready to really open up. 
as an NFL quarterback. He just isn't. And Mike Tomlin, I think, especially late in the game with the lead, kind of kept things close to the vest, is really just kind of calling plays where he basically is kind of making it as easy as possible on his on his young quarterback. And there's nothing wrong with that, but I think you'll just see a lot of running and short passes in this game. Nothing too, too explosive from either offense, especially from the Ravens here. So the total here is 37. That's probably what it should be. It's probably just a bit too high, to be honest with you. Chiefs and Broncos. Chiefs are now 9.5-point favorites. Why? Because the Broncos can't score. The Broncos just cannot put the ball into the end zone. Is Patrick Mahomes banged up? Can this Chiefs, can, can this uh, Broncos defense, excuse me, slow down the Chiefs a little bit? Yeah, probably. Kadarius Tony's questionable for the game. So one of the more explosive guys for the Chiefs. What you notice with the Chiefs, they can still score. They can still move the ball. They still got Travis Kelsey. They still got Patrick Mahomes. It's the home run ball. It's the explosive pass. Patrick Mahomes tried it time and time and time again. It's just not there. You know, with, without Tyreek Hill and a couple other guys, it's just not there. They want a Kadarius Tony there to kind of bring just some of the explosiveness. Even It doesn't even have to be a long ball, but just to bring just a little bit more heat to that offense, and it's just not quite there. That could be a lower-scoring game. Totals of 44. Yeah, that, that probably... That probably goes under, to be honest with you. If I had to guess either way, that, that's what I would do. San Francisco minus three and a half against the Bucks. The Bucks are now coming off a very tough come-from-behind win against a heated rival on a Monday night. You see where I'm going with this. Now they got to travel across the country. Brock Purdy, if you look at some of the metrics and you look at some of the, the more complicated stuff, some of the analytics was actually quite good. Plugged him right in there, and he played the role of Jimmy G perfectly. Jimmy G lost, left that game with a broken foot. He might be back for the playoffs. Probably not, though. Um, but he's not going to require surgery. Maybe he comes back. Maybe he doesn't. Bottom line, Brock Purdy is now the guy in San Francisco. If you can get this this at San Francisco minus three or better, take it. To me, this is a tough spot for the Bucs. The Bucs can't block. They can't move the football productively. I just, as I said, I think the Niners' defense is a little bit overrated. I don't think the Bucs are the team to take advantage of that. Uh, Panthers-Seahawks. Seahawks minus three and a half, total of 44. That is more of a statement of how bad the Seahawks' defense is than anything else. Now, the total's only set at 44, but I, I just... I think this is the odd maker's way of saying, hey, listen, this team has sort of backed their way into a winning record, and we're not really impressed with what we see. Dolphins Chargers, went, we went over this before. I think this is a tough, tough week for that Chargers defense with the speed that Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill and those guys play. I think that, that Dolphins offense gets better on that fast track at SoFi Stadium. And the Patriots at the Cardinals, not our best Monday night game here, uh, obviously. Coming off a bye, I'm curious if the Cardinals come out here. Are they going to quit? Are they going to fight? They're 4-8. and eight. They're out of it. They, you know, they're, they're done. Are they going to fight or are they going to sort of tank the way they did last year, whether it was coming from the team or not? That just If you watch that Christmas game last year, I can't get that out of my head, how terribly they played in that game. And they were, I mean, they were absolutely awful. And the Colts had like half their team missing, right? The Cardinals just didn't want to be there. I know it was Christmas, but at 4-8 and eight coming off a bye, you wonder if they have just sort of written this season off. It's Christmas in a couple weeks. I kind of feel like one team will come in that game a little bit more focused than the other. I'll give you three guesses which one. So... Dolphins, minus three. Anything else will be up, I promise, this week on the Twitter feed uh, before noon on Sunday. And with that, that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Also, follow me on Twitter at BC, AK The Man. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and The Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Close it out tonight with On That Poll. Here's Lace. I am BC The Man. See you next week on The Air Attack.
Sipping on that champagne, drinking till we can't stand. I'ma beat it up like Bam Bam. 